Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. Let, let, me, let me tell you this uh, the story that happened, and um, I'm going to give it to you because last week, Sunday night at, at North Campus, I did it as well, and I feel like it's a great introduction to where we're about to go right now. So a couple weeks ago, I'm talking with somebody on our, on our youth team, and we're discussing Qualcomm Stadium. Just so you know, when, when Pastor Jürgen first asked Brianna and I to look after the youth, I'm sitting in the Performing Arts Center of Carmel Valley Middle School, and I'm in there in worship. This is, this is a long time ago. I'm in there in worship, and as I'm worshiping God, a picture as clear as anything, we, I see Qualcomm Stadium filled with people. Saw the stage, saw worship. Saw the power of God falling and hitting that place. So I'm talking to one of my team and, and discussing Qualcomm, and, and I asked the question, well, do you think that we can be in Qualcomm Stadium? Do you think that we can fill it? Do you think we can be in that place? And, and his, his, his response is this. He says, well, actually, not really. And that's just being honest, because a lot of us are in that place. A lot of us have been there and, and are there at some point in our life. And, and he said that, and I said to him, okay, well, do you believe that it's God's will that we do fill Qualcomm Stadium? Do you believe it's God's will that everybody in San Diego comes to know Jesus? Do you believe it's his will? And he said, yeah, I believe it is. Then I said this, then why not now? Why not now? Why not now? If it's God's will, why do we gotta wait? If it's God's will for you to have a miracle, then why not now? Why not in my life? Why not in our time? Why not in San Diego? Why not? Why not? Nothing's too big for our God. Nothing's too great for our King. Come on, you almost got it. Come on, back row. Come on, middle row. Why not now? Why not now? Why can't you get your miracle now? God is in this place, and where he is, now happens. Now. Why not now? We're going to see it. We're going to see it. And if we don't, I'm going to live my life like we are. We have eternity to spend with Jesus, but only a lifetime to spend for Jesus. So let's give our life. Let's give every breath that's in our lungs, every, all the strength, all the time, all the gifts, all the energy, all the talents. God, it is yours. 
Use us now. God, we pray right now that heaven would come to earth, that the presence of God would fall in this place tonight, that the power of God would be present to change us, to shift us, to move in this place. God, we praise you for what you're about to do. We thank you for what is happening in our lives, what is happening in C3 San Diego. And God, we declare that here we are. Send us. Use us. Use us to shake the nation. Use us to win the city. Use us to make your name glorious in all the earth. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody shout it. Amen. Amen. All right. You can give somebody a high five. Take your seat. Let's get going. Let's get going. Hey, just before you go, can I pray for Audrey? Come, come. Audrey Steensma. I don't know if you notice what's going on here, but you ever play uh, that game Simon Says, where it's like little, like the light shine and you hit them? She has one of those back here. It's pretty much what she does during worship. I don't know if you've seen it, but she has like a Simon Says pad right here that she just pushes those buttons. Just come, come, come out here. And uh, you guys can play just something moody, but... Uh, I just want to pray. Audrey uh, pretty much does everything, like every musical, every 5 p.m. service, and is so creative and has given her life, her and Chris, who's in the back running all the lights and for the church, and just giving your life for something. And sometimes we feel and think that does anybody notice does anybody notice what we give? Does anybody notice what we sacrifice? Does anybody notice what I've poured out and given my life to? And believe it or not, most people do notice, but more importantly, God notices. And he's a great promoter. And he is, his, his hand that is upon you. And I see this for you. Just lift your hands, Audrey. I see this. I see the season that you're stepping into is one where the presence and the power of God the anointing of God right now is going to rest on you. That the music you create, that the songs you write, how you put them together, how you organize things, the anointing of God is going to rest on that. And it's going to bring breakthrough. It's going to bring change. It's going to bring a shift in the atmosphere in San Diego. So God, I thank you right now for this incredible woman of God. Lord, anoint her hands. Anoint her hands. Anoint what she does. We thank you, God, that the faithful will abound with blessing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. We love you, Audrey. Come on, put your hands together for Audrey and Chris. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Pastor Andrew. Uh, I don't know if you, you noticed Pastor Becky, Pastor Andrew, and myself tonight, but we're looking pretty good. <laughs> but... In case you missed the memo. All right, welcome all the live stream people. We're about to get into this thing. Feel free to stand all night if you want to. If you feel comfortable, you can get off the, the couch, the sofa, wherever you're at. Feel free to stand, cheer, shout, clap. Nobody can hear you, so you can be as loud as you want to. So we're so glad that you're joining us uh, all the way from Japan as well. Konnichiwa. I don't know if that means anything, but there you go. All right, open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, it is such an honor to be here uh, with 
your campus pastors, Pastor John, Pastor Becky, who are dominating at pretty much everything that they do. They're dominating. And a great communion message, Pastor Matt. All right, let's get into this. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. I'm going to read this. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth, until the day I say to you, Shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days." But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priests blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Sometimes you just got to shout because God has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord, by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that were sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of a trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for this word tonight. God, I pray that you would speak through me. Let it not be my words. Let it be your words. God, I thank you that heaven right now comes to earth, invades this place, fills this place with your presence, with your power, with your anointing, that chains would be broken, that mindsets would be shifted tonight. We declare all those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the title of my message is this, is the in-between. Is the in-between. 
Let me tell you why that's the title of this message, because a lot of us know the story of Jericho because of what happens at the end of it. If I was to say to you, what happens with Joshua and and the children of Israel when they walked around Jericho? And you would say, that's the story where the walls came tumbling down. That's the story when the walls fell flat and they entered into the promised land. And that's how we know the story and that's how we live the story. And and that, that to us is the main point and purpose of the story. And that, that's what we do. But, but today, I don't, I don't want to talk about the walls coming down flat. I actually want to talk about what happened between the time when God promised it and they saw it. Between the time when God said, it's going to be yours, and the time that the walls fell flat. A lot of us want to focus on the end result, but it's the in-between times that take us out. So tonight I want to preach about the in-between. What happens in the in-between? How do we operate in the in-between? A lot of us, in fact, all of us at this point are probably in the in-between of something in our life. We knew that God promised it. We knew that God spoke it. We know that God said it, but we don't have it yet. So what do we do while we're waiting for God to move? What do we do when we're waiting for God to make the walls come down in your life, the walls come down in your marriage, the walls come down in your family, in your finances? What do I do? I know what I do when the walls come down. I know that they are going to come down, but what do I do after he promises it to me? How do I sit in that moment? How do I wait in that moment? And when we get to this place where, okay, between the time when God promises it, In the time that God delivers it, I wait. It's the waiting room. It's the waiting room. I don't know about you or if you've ever been in a waiting room before, but nothing about a waiting room is fun. You don't go to a waiting room for for joy, for laughs, for a good time. Anytime you're in the waiting room is because something bad has happened Or if you're at the dentist, something bad is about to happen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. The waiting room is not a fun place. And and, and here's here's how I know that. You go into a waiting room to sit down. The chairs are the most uncomfortable chairs that anybody could ever design or manufacture. They make you sit in that for hours. The lighting is horrible. It's not like this. It's got bad mood lighting. There's There's no haze. There's none of that. The coffee there is like it's been sitting in the pot for like seven days straight. And if there's sugar, there's no cream. If there's cream, there's no sugar. So you got to drink the, the coffee that is horrible with no cream, with no sugar, and it's scolding hot, so you probably burnt yourself. And then to make it worse, they have a TV playing. Oh, the only thing is that they put it on, on soap operas that nobody can change a channel for. And even if you like soap operas, the, the volume isn't high enough for you to even hear anything. So now you're forced to sit in a place that you don't want to sit in, watching something that you don't want to watch, drinking coffee that you don't even want to drink. So, but but here, here's, here's what we do when God promises something and then God delivers it, we think that's called the waiting room. Tom is going to sit and wait on God to move. Wait on God to bring it. God, you promised it. When are you going to bring it for me? And we think it's up to God now. God, would you bring it? God, would you do my miracle? God, would you bring breakthrough in my finances? God, would you bring breakthrough in my business, with my family, with my kids, with my grandkids? God, would you do that? And until you do, I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to bring it to me. But this is what, what I realized is, is that in between time, it's not a, wait, a waiting room, W-A-I-T. It's actually a wait room, W-E-I-G-H-T. It is not a wait around to see what's going to happen. 
it's I'm going to lift some weights and prepare for what is about to happen. So, so tonight, my, my motivation and my goal is to get us all off of our butts and stop waiting and start lifting and preparing. The waiting room isn't to sit around and hope that God does something. It's, just, it's to prepare and get up and do something for what God is about to do in our lives. It is not the wait, waiting room, it is the wait room. It's the preparation room. It's the I'm about to get ready room. It's the I'm going to mend my nets room. It's the I'm going to prepare for the catch room. It's the I'm going to do everything I can for what God is about to bring in. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest. God says, listen, I got the catch that you're looking for, but are you going to prepare the nets to hold them? Are you going to prepare in the room to carry the weight I'm about to put on your shoulders? Because if I give you the blessing too soon, you're just going to crumble and fall underneath that weight. You got, you're not just meant to sit there and hope it comes. You're meant to prepare for when it's going to come. It's the weight room. It's the in-between time, the preparation time, that I'm getting ready time. What are you doing? I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready for what God's about to do. I'm getting ready to fill Qualcomm Stadium. Guess what? Guess what? We're not building our church for 5,000 people. We are building our church for the city of San Diego. And then California, then the United States of America, and then the world. Why? Because God is not willing that any should perish. So if that's his will, why not now? Why not us? Why not you? Why can't you play a part in God doing a miracle in San Diego and in the rest of this world? It's the in-between. What we do in the in-between sets us up for the walls that come down. It's less about the walls coming down and more about what happens in between. I, uh, my beautiful wife is here on the front row. When, when people see us together, they have a confused look on their face. Like... I'm like, I know. Can't really imagine that somebody like her would be somebody like me. No, 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 I'm, I'm saying the, op the opposite, because tall, handsome. Uh, so let me, let me tell you a, a quick story of us. So uh, before we dated the second time, we, we dated for about eight weeks. Eight weeks. I was in the Navy at this time. For six of those eight weeks, I was in the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> laying my life down for our country. Every day, sacrificing, giving myself. As soon as we get back from, from being out in the Pacific Ocean, I get back and I take her to SeaWorld. We go to SeaWorld. And if you're in the military, you know you don't make that much money. So I, I kind of spend a lot of my money to take her to SeaWorld. We go to SeaWorld. We spend the entire day at SeaWorld. Shamu, the horses, the Budweiser horses, which I don't know why they're at SeaWorld. But anyways, they're there. And, and we're, we're, we're there and we see it. And then uh, we leave SeaWorld. And on the way home from SeaWorld, that's when she decides to, ask, to, to say this to me. So I've been thinking, and I just don't really think this is working out. <laughs> After SeaWorld. It's messed up. So messed up. Yeah. So we get home and, and 
I didn't know. I was like 45 minutes from, from the base at this time, and I dropped her off. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm meant to do at this point. She went into her house, and I was kind of left there by myself. I know, it's sad. And, uh, and so I went, I went for a walk, and I just started praying. I went for a walk, and I started praying. I said, God, I don't understand. I thought for sure. I thought that she was the one. I thought that this was the one that you had for me. And I remember God speaking this so clearly to me. And it might mess with a little bit of what you think you know, but this is what I felt like God speak to me in that moment. God says, I've already given her to you, but now you need to earn her. I've already given her to you, but now you need to earn her. In other words, God said this, I've already reserved her for you, now you need to prepare for her. Because if at that moment I would have, have, have already got her and, and that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have been able to keep what I got. So I entered this in-between period for four years. For four years I pursued her. For four years I prepared. For four years I developed myself. I didn't sit down and wait and get fat and say, hey, I'm just going to wait until she's ready and she'll come running to me. I got in the weight room. I spent time with God. I got on a team. I did everything. I was at every event, every conference, and I was a part of everything and anything I could get my hands on because I wanted to prepare for what God had already promised. So tonight, maybe that's you. Maybe you need to prepare for what God is promising. Maybe you don't have it yet because you're not ready for it yet. Maybe you don't got the miracle yet because you can't keep the miracle yet. It is not the goal of God to get you the miracle. It's the goal of God for you to keep the miracle. But it's the in-between time that prepares us for it. Where we wait, where we prepare, where we lift weights, where we get into that place. So, so let, me, let me give you three things. I know the guys came up because they're going to they're gonna preach with me. We, we preach together. These guys are, are preaching tonight right now. So we're, we're going to do this as a team. But I want to I give you three things. Three things, how, how we can prepare. What, what should we do in the in-between time? At the end of the service, we're going to open up the altar and people are going to come. And I want you in the back and the front, wherever you are, to prepare your heart right now. And when we open up the altar, don't, don't walk, don't, don't just run. Run down here and get your life right with God because all of us are in the in-between. And we need to get to that place say, God, strengthen me in the in-between. Prepare me in the in-between. Prepare my heart in the in-between. So what do we do during the in-between? Like I said, it's not a weight room, but we use that waiting room. We use the scripture, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. So we think that I just got to sit and the Lord will renew my strength. But that word wait in that context is not talking about sitting. The Hebrew word for, for, for wait and the definition of it is the actual binding of cords together. The waiting, it, it has nothing to do with sitting and doing nothing. It has everything to do with strengthening and preparing those who prepare on the Lord, those who get strengthened on the Lord will renew their strength. Those that bind themselves to something greater than themselves, those who attach themselves to the house of God, those who join themselves in a connect group, those who get to the conferences that we're doing, those that bring friends to what we're doing is saying this, I'm binding myself, a cord together, so that when God brings it, I'm ready to keep it. So, so what do we do during the in-between? And I'm going to go through this, and we're going to learn from the story of, of the children of Israel and Jericho and, and what they did to prepare for what God was going to do. First thing is this. We, we read in, in this passage of Scripture that God says, I need you to get the people to walk around, but I don't want, just want people walking around. I want some worshipers there too. He says, I need worshipers. 
You want the walls to come down, you have to learn how to worship in the in-between. Because what, what did they do? They, they had to walk around it for seven days. On the seventh day, seventh time, seven times. But he said, it's not just people walking around. I need some worshipers going before. I need some worshipers preparing the way. I need some worshipers preparing the atmosphere. I need some worshipers who know how to shift the environment that they're in. I need some worshipers that know that worship isn't just about singing songs to God, but it's about pulling heaven down to earth and seeing an atmosphere shift in the city that we're living in. We got to know how to worship. The children of Israel knew how to worship. Joshua knew how to worship. They knew how to spend time in the presence of God and how to worship. Elisha says this, I got to make a decision. The first thing he says is, bring me a musician. Bring me a worshiper. Before I can make a decision, I got to shift the atmosphere that I'm in. Because all I feel is negativity. All I feel is defeat. All I feel is hopelessness. All I feel is pain. All I feel is, is a lack of faith. So I got to bring somebody who knows how to worship, and they're going to shift the atmosphere. The Bible says that when a musician came, the hand of the Lord came upon him, and the anointing of God flowed out of him, and miracles started to happen. Because a musician came that did not just know how to play, but knew how to shift something. That did not know just how to play a note. That did not know just how to beat on a drum, but knew how to shift something in the spiritual atmosphere that said, man, oh man, the man of God has to make a decision, so I'm going to prepare the atmosphere where the devil can't penetrate it, where the principalities and powers can't get in it. I'm going to be a worshiper. King Saul says that I have a distressing spirit. Send me somebody who is skilled. King David shows up and plays a harp. And when he plays, a distressing spirit leaves Saul. Why? Because he knew how to shift an atmosphere. He knew what worship was. I got to do the creative team night last time, and it was, it was one of my favorite nights because these guys are on the front line. That, that presence of God you felt in worship was, was because these guys prepared. They prepared for the walls coming down. And I, I was saying this, and I was doing some research into these musicians. There's a guy named Brian May. He was a lead guitarist for Queen. Not a Christian dude. But he was quoted saying this. My guitar is my weapon. The shield that I stand behind. Not a Christian guy, but he understood that it was not just for making noise. It was not just for entertainment. He knew that what he had in his hand was a weapon that could pierce through things, was a shield to stand behind. When you worship, it's a weapon. When you worship, it's a shield. The drums, which are probably my favorite, because there's always something that happens when, when the drums start beating. Let me tell you why that is. In the colonial times, if, if you saw all the men line up for war, they would, they would line up kind of in, in ranks and in single files, one behind each other, and all the men would have muskets, and they would march and face each other one-on-one, -on -one, probably the scariest kind of warfare you could be involved in, and they would march head-on and face-on and just stand there, and they would have to shoot at each other. They couldn't run. They couldn't move. They couldn't do anything. And th then if you look at all the pictures, you would always see this. You would always see that there were soldiers with rifles, but then there was always somebody with a drum. Like, why, why is that? Did that guy just get, get the short end of the straw? L like, who, who, who told him, hey, we just ran out of rifles, so uh, you get a drum? And that's what I thought until I actually looked at the reason why they put drums out there. And they, they say this. They say the reason that there's drums, 
The reason that they're playing the entire time is because no matter how loud it gets, no matter how many cries of fear are risen up, no matter how much chaos is happening on the battlefield, that the drums can still be heard above fear, can still be heard above above depression, can still be heard above that, 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 that environment that they're in, that can still be heard so that the men still know what to do, they still know where to walk, they still know where to go because somebody understands the power of drums. They understand that I'm not just a musician, that I'm not just somebody who plays an instrument, but I'm wielding a weapon and I'm telling the kingdom of darkness that you better watch out because I'm coming for you. And my worship is going to be heard over the hurt. My worship is going to be heard over the pain. My worship is going to be heard over the fear. My worship will be heard. Devil, I'm telling you, we're coming for you. And you can hear our worship coming before us. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. God's looking for some worshipers in the in-between. Not when I feel like it, when I don't. Worship. 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 Changes the atmosphere. Changes the atmosphere. Number two, verse 13 to 14, the Bible says, And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now here's verse 14, underline this. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. First one's worship. Second one's consistency. Can you worship in the in-between? Can you keep showing up in the in-between? When the feeling's gone, everybody loves the first day. Woo! We're going to walk around Jericho, baby. Nobody's ever done this. They shot the city up for us. This is great. Everybody shows up at the opening of a building. Everybody shows up on the first day. Woo! But as soon as we get tired, we take a back seat to the preparation. Consistency. There's a, there's a quote. I'm quoting this quote. So if, if you post this or quote it, make sure you quote me quoting a quote. It's not me that says this. But it says that long-term consistency trumps short-term intensity. In other words, I'd rather have somebody that shows up every week and is a little bit quiet than somebody that shows up every once in a while but is loud. I'd rather have somebody that doesn't tell me they want to be an armor bearer but does it than somebody who tells me they want to be an armor bearer but then it doesn't show up again. Long-term consistency trumps short-term intensity. If you don't got a gift to do certain things, that's okay. Everybody can show up. Everybody's got a gift to show up. Just show up. Just show up. Just show up. I love the children of Israel because they said this. Once a day, we're walking around a massive city. The next day, they would show up and walk around. I bet day after day, there would be some people that wouldn't show up anymore. But every day, somebody still did. It doesn't say this, but I, I believe that if 
on the last day only one person showed up, that God still would have brought the walls down. Because he's just looking for one person to show up. He's looking for one person when all hell is breaking loose, when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're depressed, when you're broken, when you're broke, to keep showing up and say, not when I have the feeling to do it, but I'm going to keep showing up even when I don't. Stop looking for the butterflies and the goosebumps and start living with purpose and passion and say, my passion's going to trump the convenience that I have. I don't got goosebumps, but God, you got my worship. I don't have a fuzzy feeling, but I'm going to keep showing up. Every Sunday, every leaders, every connect group, every conference, it is on our calendar. Everything revolves around that schedule, not around mine. Consistency. Keep showing up. I'm going to move quick. Every day they got up and did the same thing with seemingly no results. There was no shift. They, they, they couldn't see the walls like starting to bend. All they were doing was getting tired. So the promise seemed like it didn't change at all. But they kept showing up. No results. Like I said before, we think the point of that entire story is that the walls fell down. But the point of the story is not that the walls fell down. The whole point of Jericho is what happened before they fell down. It is not that they fell. It is what happened before it fell. We think that the greatest reward is that walls come down. But God says the greatest reward is what happens to you before they do. The greatest reward is what happens in your spirit when everything tells you to stop, but you show up again. When everything tells you to sit this one out and you come and you worship again. When everything tells you to let somebody do it for you and you show up and you bear the weight again, you get in the weight room again and you prepare again. The point of the story is not that the walls fell down. A, lo a lot of us think that life is all about the destination that we're getting to, but it's not about the destination. It's about the journey along the way to the destination. It's about what happens along the way. It is not the destination that defines you. It is the journey that you walk to get to the destination. The destination is a plus. The destination is a bonus. It's the journey that develops you. It is the journey that defines you. It is the journey that prepares you. It is when you decide, I'm on the journey. Thank you for my journey. Thank you for my journey. Thank you for the battles. Thank you for the difficult times. Thank you for the hurt. Thank you for when, when I, I was weak, but I still showed up. Thank you for what you did in me in that time, God. The destination, if the walls come down, that's a bonus. Because what you did in me far outseeds all the walls falling down. Because now I know the next thing that comes my way doesn't stand a chance. Because I kept showing up. I kept showing up. I kept showing up. Ready to go around the walls. We want God to do something for us instead of God do something in us. God, do something for me. And God will do that tonight for some of you. But in 15 years, we're still asking God to do something for us. The beginning is God doing something for us. The end is God doing something in us. I got three kids. And change a lot of diapers. Three girls under three and a half. If 
finally I got a boy dog, praise God. My wife wanted to name him Teddy. I named him Samson. Sometimes you just gotta put your foot down. I'm the head of the house. So I've changed a lot of diapers. And, and to be honest, right now, I, I don't mind doing it for them. I don't mind changing their diapers. I don't mind doing something for them. But if I'm still doing that for them in 10 years, it no longer helps them, it only hurts them. Some of us tonight have to say, hey God, thank you for doing that for me. Now do something in me so the next time I'm walking through this, God, I know it's in me and I can just declare heaven come down to earth. I can stand upon your word because God, you did something in me. God, you did something in me. God, you changed me. Everything has changed around me. Does God still have to do something for you or has he done something in you? Let God do something in you. Like I said before, God wants to see if you can keep it before he gives it. A lot of us are in financial struggles sometimes. We walk through that. God, I tithe, I give, I, I do all that. And God says, I'm not going to give it to you until I know you can keep it. Can you keep it before you can give it? And then maybe that's where we're at. We got to see. Can we keep it? Can we keep the miracle? The reason God asked him to walk around six days, the reason God asked him to walk around seven days was not to weaken the foundation was not to build a, a, a trench around or a moat around there, was not for any of that reason. The reason that God asked him to walk around it every day for six days and seven times on the seventh day was because God wanted to see, can you keep it when I give it? What I'm gonna do in you in, the, in between is gonna prepare you for what I'm gonna give you. When the walls come down, if I don't get you to walk around, if I don't get you to do something hard, if I don't get you to do something incon inconvenient, if I don't get you to do something that, that other people are afraid of, then I don't think you can keep it when I give it to you. The in-between has to be that time where it prepares us. Last thing is this, and I'm going to move quick. Last thing is this, the Bible says that Joshua said, right now I don't want you to make any noise, but when I tell you, when I give a sign, when I give a signal, you're going to shout with a great shout. So the Bible says that. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. One, we have to learn how to worship. Two, we have to learn how to be consistent. Three, we have to know what a shout is. The Bible says this, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Which means this, that there, there is something behind my shout. There is triumph in my shout. There is triumph on my shout. A lot of us are wanting to shout for triumph. God wants us to shout because already triumph is in us. It's a voice of triumph, not a voice for triumph. There has to be a shift in our spirit. They had that shout of triumph when they shouted and the walls came down because of what happened on the in-between. They knew it. They knew behind my shout, behind my worship, behind my scream, behind my praise is not just noise, but it is something that's going to shift and change the atmosphere that I live in. It's a shout that has a spiritual power and weight behind it. Don't just shout to make noise. Shout to change an atmosphere. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Let a triumph come out of you. Not a victim, 
not hopeless, but triumph. Stand to your feet. We don't shout because of what might happen. We shout because of what will happen. Every time you shout, see the walls coming down. Every time you shout, see victory. Every time you shout, see that negative doctor's report being torn up. Every time you shout, see that bill being paid. Every time you shout, see that home being purchased. Every time you shout, see that ch child come back to know God. Every time you shout, see your dad getting off of, off of alcohol and off of drugs. Every time you shout, see something change in your atmosphere. The in-between is the time where we shout. The in-between is the time where we shout. So, see, we, we know shouts because of fans. We know shouts because of fans. But the shout of a fan and the, and the shout of a leader are two different things. The shout of a fan brings noise. The shout of a leader brings change. The shout of a leader isn't for noise, it's for change. It is for penetrating walls. It is for breaking down strongholds. The shout of a fan is from the vocal cords. The shout of the leader is from your spirit. It is God engaging. It is the Holy Spirit and power engaging with your words, engaging with your voice, and they're coming together. And when the, where there's unity, the Lord commands a blessing, and what comes out of you now tears down walls. It doesn't just compel people to cross finish lines. It tears down walls. It brings breakthrough. It brings change. Some of you are in between right now. Some of us, in fact, most of us are probably in that place. The reason I'm preaching this message is because I'm in it. Because I believe we're going to be in Qualcomm Stadium, but I'm not there yet. Which, what does that mean? I'm in the in-between. I'm in the in-between. I'm in that time where, God, you promised it, but, God, I don't have it. But we have to have what I call dyslexic faith. We have to understand that I have to possess it before I occupy it. I gotta possess it here before I occupy it here. We gotta have that in us. God, I thank you for Qualcomm Stadium. God, I thank you for my business. God, I thank you for my children. God, I thank you for my future grandchildren. God, I thank you for the business breakthrough. God, I thank you for my healing in my leg. God, I thank you for the healing of the people around me. God, I thank you for my coworkers that they will come to know you. God, I thank you. I thank you. I'm possessing it before I occupy it. I'm shouting with the voice of triumph, not shouting with the voice for triumph, because I know victory is yours. Victory belongs to you. It is finished. It was finished then. It is finished today. It will be finished tomorrow. We don't have to look for God to finish something. It has already been done. We just got to step into it tonight. God, thank you for what you're about to do. Caleb, 80 years old, give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. For 79 and a half years, Caleb was in the in-between. When, 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 80 years old, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. I've been in the in-between long enough. God, I prepared myself long enough. I can keep it now. I can keep it now. I can, and he did. He drove out everything in the land that, that Moses had given to him and Joshua had given to him. He drove everything out of there and he possessed it, was able even to give it to his children and his children's children after him because he prepared himself for 79 and a half years. So when God gave it to him, he could keep it. Some of you have been in the in-between for 60 years, and you think you've missed out, but you haven't missed out, because the reward is not the destination, it's the journey. The reward is what you just went through. 
because now I'm stronger. Now I'm bigger. Now I got more faith, more expectation, more fire and purpose on the inside of me because everybody told me I should quit. Everybody told me I should give up. Everybody told me I should stop believing for my miracle. I should stop believing for my children. I should stop believing for this business. I should stop believing for this building. I should stop believing, but I didn't stop believing. I kept walking. I kept walking. So some of us tonight, we just need to keep walking. We just need to keep walking around the walls of Jericho. Here I am. Day one, I'm here. Day two, I'm still here. Day three, I'm here. Day four, I'm here. Day five, I'm here. Day six, I am still walking. I'm preparing. I'm getting ready. I'm not waiting. I'm waiting. I'm getting fired up. I'm getting ready for the catch. I'm getting ready for the breakthrough. I'm getting ready for the miracle. God, here I am, seventh day. Who's ready for this, baby? Not just once, not just twice, not just three times, not four, not five, not six. Give me seven times. Why? For every day of the week to remind the devil that I prepare myself Monday. I prepare myself Tuesday. I prepare myself Wednesday. I prepare myself Thursday. I prepare myself Friday. I prepare myself Saturday. I prepare myself Sunday. Devil, there is not a day of the week that I am not ready for the blessing of God. You can't sneak up on me at night. You can't sneak up on me during the day. You cannot get to me because I've been walking when everybody else was sleeping. When everybody else was quitting, I showed up to church. You can't beat me down. You can't take me down. Come on, why not now? Why not here? Why not fill South Campus? Why not fill another Central? Why not fill another North? Why not win every single person in San Diego County? Why not now? So on the count of three, I know we don't have much space, and I'm going to just get you up here, and we're going to close it, and we're going to be good. It's all going to be done. Live stream, you're awesome. If you got to stand, you got to stand. So we're going to sing. And on the count of three, if you're in the in-between, and you want to have strength, if you want to keep going, keep believing, I'm going to ask you to move from your seat. I gave you a warning before. So if I see anybody walking... I was kidding. I want you to run. Run. I'm in the in-between. But I will not be stuck here. I'm in the in-between. God, thank you for the in-between. God, thank you for the in-between. God, thank you for the in-between. Thank you for my journey. 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 I will be a worshiper. I will worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. I will worship him when everything else has gone bad. I will be consistent when everybody tells me to quit. I will still be worshiping you. Though you slay me, yet I will trust you. God, I will shout with a shout that brings down the walls. I will keep walking around the walls until they come down. God, here I am in the in-between. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Thank you for it. Come on, let's worship right now. Let's sing this out. Come on, let's declare it. God, that our in-between is a time of preparation and breakthrough. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, come on, come on. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We want to take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. 
And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.